I I'm very attached to uh, to the free freedom in the mountain. So I don't I don't want that we limit uh, people uh, and that we give a, a, a limit to the people. Some people can be very very gifted and uh, even have a small experience, but have could be very um, conscious of what they are doing and able to climb a mountain with a very little experience and just go and try. And I really love this, um, the way that some people do practice uh, uh, the mountain on an amateur way. Welcome back to the World Extreme Medicine Podcast with myself, Owen Walker. In this episode, we've titled it The Anatomy of the PGHM and the Future of Alpine Hems Search and Rescue with Pierre Muller. So in the session, we're going to talk to Pierre um, about the cross-section of work that he sees on a daily basis within the French Alps. We're going to explore some of his work that he does for the National Gendarmerie, which is the specialised units know, known as the High Mountain Gendarmerie Platoons, or the PGHM. So the role of the Gendarmerie is based on territorial brigades and requires uh, Pierre and others to navigate some of the toughest Alpine conditions in the world. So in the episode, we're going to discuss the cross-section of work. We're all going to, also going to look at Pierre's, some of Pierre's most technical and challenging rescues that he's had to conduct this past season. We're also going to examine some of the emergent risk around non-regulated ascents of Mont Blanc, which is Europe's highest mountain, and indeed whether there should be a standard and or permit-based system to regulate the ascent. And finally, we're going to look at some of the new frontiers for the PGHM and where they're hoping to push the service. Welcome to the podcast, Pierre. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good evening. Pierre, I think we could just start with actually um, and look at a couple of things really. So what we wanted to do is just look at a cross-section, um, but also I think a good place to start is actually look at the some, something which has just happened just 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 recently. So as of Sunday, eleven thirty in the morning, there was a significant, if not probably the most significant in the last few years, um, avalanche in Chamonix, um, which has caused six fatalities, indeed multiple injuries. Could you maybe just speak to that as an emergent, or, or indeed as as a very real present threat, which has just occurred? Yeah, well, um, the avalanche happened in the Mont Blanc area, Mont Blanc Range, but uh, not in Chamonix, in the Contamine Montjoie, which is just nearby, um, on in the north face of Les Dômes de Miage, on a glacier called the Larmancet. It's a classical descent that uh, we do in the spring from the top of Dôme de Miage at 3,600 down to uh, Les Contamines. And the conditions were absolutely uh, perfect uh, to ski that phase that day as the avalanche risk estimation level was two over five. And the weather was beautiful uh, in the north face at 3,500 uh, at 11 in the morning. It was still a negative temperature. So still pretty cold, like minus four, minus five. So really uh, safe uh, i would say conditions but a very busy day like uh, like uh, eastern holidays sunday uh, weather forecast was just uh, splendid so the hut was busy 80 guests were sleeping there everybody was looking forward to spend a beautiful day out in the mountains the north face of Dom de Miage was skied the day before 
and uh, all the feedback were uh, giving green lights. So they went there uh, with some with guides, some others without guides, but everybody is supposed to be a good skier going there and everybody was have had the level to ski that face that day. And all of a sudden, uh, nobody knows why, a massive big uh, slab uh, was triggered by probably a very small um, surface uh, slide of snow from the top, which happens with the fresh snow who just fell, and with the weight who came at the top of this old slab, it triggered a, a massive, this massive avalanche on the north side of, uh, of Dome de Miage. And uh, that avalanche uh, carried 13 skiers and killed uh, six of them, unfortunately. So Chamonix Pijachem was, of course, uh, the first uh, called and be there with a doctor and few rescues, and then more rescues came, more helicopters came, and, um, well, uh, luckily, um, most of the skiers survived, but six of them were buried under the snow and suffered from multiple trauma and died from those trauma. So, Pierre, you've, you know, you've been involved in over 500 rescue operations. You've been all across Central Asia, Svalbard, Greenland, Patagonia, the Himalayas, Antarctica, you've indeed climbed some of the big walls in the Alps, so the north face of the Eiger, the Matterhorn in the winter. Um, could you maybe speak to the cross section of work, or indeed the just the amount of work that you're seeing at the moment this last season? Because last time I spoke to you, you were saying that just you know, there's been this incremental rise in in work, and it's it's, it's actually become not untenable but very much um there there has been this, this post-covid boom of just people wanting to get out on the mountain and it's, it's just it, the the exponential work for yourself and pghm has, has has also been there could you maybe speak to what you have seen this season yeah we've seen a lot of um of uh, ski touring incident a lot of people going in the mountains and uh, a few crevasse fall as well um because the glaciers were really dry with very weak snow bridges and uh, we saw and i did a few uh, a few um, rescue in 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 crevasse uh, and that's for sure uh, the many issues we had that winter in chamonix we didn't have uh, many avalanches uh, but uh, except uh, last sunday but uh, a lot of crevasse uh, and a lot of rescue in the mountains with people uh, calling for help with no issue but a little bit uh, not as well prepared as they should be, like uh, some people uh, miss a rope and can't upside down because they only have one rope, like um, lose a, lose a, an ice axe in a gully. And uh, yeah, we, we, we can see a, a very much higher, uh, a significant higher uh, amount of uh, people ski touring. That's for sure uh, one of the consequences of COVID. So with the incremental rise in work, yeah, have you matched it with the incremental rise in resources? Is have you have you deployed uh, more flight paramedics, more flight flight physicians, and indeed more helicopters, or, or has the level of resources stayed the same? No, in Germany, I think we already were we were really gifted already. Uh, we had uh, we have a lot of we have always two helicopters there, one for the department, one for the for the Mont Blanc Ranch, and uh, we always most of the days we have two doctors there, but every single day. Uh, of the year, uh, we have a doctor on call there, uh, ready to fly, and this hasn't changed because uh, we do not have the resources to increase that so much. And uh, and PGHM the same. Huh? Uh, we have uh, over 30 uh, rescuers in Chamonix, and every day uh, 
four can go at two ten uh, ready to go uh, and this this was um hasn't been increased but i think chamonix was already quite uh, gifted in that term Pierre, could you speak to the dynamic nature of the environment? So for anyone who hasn't been to Chamonix or indeed uh, that region of the Alps, there's been a number of threats which have which have sort of marinated to, to, to the surface over the past few months. There was an English climber killed a couple of weeks ago from Rockfall, I believe, um, in the region. There was, there was the avalanche uh, just this last Sunday, which killed and claimed six lives. Could you, could you maybe speak to how dynamic the environment is and how changeable and, and indeed how many types of risks that, that the environment poses? Well, if we're talking about uh, global warming and the melt and the retreat of the glacier, uh, this is absolutely significant. I've been uh, taking uh, uh, eight days ago on the on the glacier of Mer de Glace some uh, some engineer of Total uh, uh, Total Energy, who is uh, the big French oil company, uh, to sensibilize uh, some engineers who are in charge of depollution of the of the of the different uh, uh, sites. And um, yeah. As uh, the glacier in, in at the bottom of the cable car in Montanvert has lost uh, during the last 30 years an average of four meters per year. Last summer it has lost in uh, two and a half months 16 meters in two and a half months. So that touched the mountain at the moment is changing and how fast this goes. We're not talking about decades anymore. We're talking about months. So the so this has a huge impact on the terrain and on the access of some of the mountains as the moraine now are very young, very unstable, full of sand, like very young moraine are super unstable. So after rain, uh, um, by people walking through, you can hit rocks, rock can fall anytime. And, um, and the access of some of the classic routes are not possible anymore. Uh, some months in the year and most, most of the year for some of them, just because of this massive retreat and the massive melt of the, the permafrost. And uh, in Chamonix, more than anywhere else in the world, the impact of uh, warming is, is massive because Chamonix, the mountains are vertical slabs of granite with a lot of cracks and the water runs through. And when it collapses in Chamonix, it's all the side of the mountains, like in Ledru uh, 20 years ago, who falls down. It's not like in in Switzerland, where we have homes. It's like a big pile of already shitty rock, but no big cracks, and they are just falling like that. But the impact is not as spectacular as it is, where you have those steep granite harrows in Chamonix who collapse and fall down. So, yeah, we have to keep this in mind and, uh, and choose carefully where we climb. It's still the paradise for rock climbing in high altitude, and it's obviously still possible, but uh, not any time and not anywhere. So I was looking recently, Pierre, at the statistics, and it was it, the PGHM were, were, were responding to anywhere upwards of eight calls a day on a really busy day. And that could be anything uh, up to eight technical rescues, highly technical rescues in, in one day. Um, you know, that's in anyone's bucks is exhausting because that could be absolutely you know depleting of your time resources and indeed energy to to respond to sort of eight highly technical calls could you could you speak to what an average day looks like yeah an average day is not um so many rescues as as that day uh, but uh, some some rescues that day were very easy like you going to collect a, a twisted knee in the Valle Blanche. This takes you uh, 20 minutes and this is fast done. But still, once you jump off the helicopter, even on the Valle Blanche, and even for a knee, 
you can jump in a crevasse as you jump off the helicopter. So you still need to take a lot of precautions to jump off the crevasse because we haven't got ski when we go off the helicopter and uh, we are not roped. But we still need to find the technique uh, to go and we have uh, good techniques to go off the helicopter on crevasse glacier. So even what seems to be a very uh, classical and uh, easy rescue can still be um, complicated and dangerous for, for, for the team. So this has to be uh, kept in mind. And then uh, a classical day would be, yeah, if you have bad luck, you have a crevasse fall and that takes uh, two hours or more to get somebody out with all the, um, the team you need to bring and all the stuff you need to uh, put together. And this takes a while. Then you have a knee in the Valley Blanche. Then you have uh, somebody uh, 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 who has a technical issue in a ice gully, like uh, they can't pull the rope down because the rope is uh, jammed in a crack or whatever. Then you have to uh, rescue those guys. That doesn't in involve a doctor, but still needs uh, a couple of rescuers. Then maybe you have um, somebody exhausted uh, somewhere in Aiguille d'Argentière and so on. That's that's a typical day in the spring. And then in the winter, it's more uh, most of the time, like 60 to 70 percent of the time, we have big issues on slope, like uh, people uh, hitting a tree and uh, cardiac arrest due to uh, thoracic trauma. Uh, this is not for the ski patrollers, so this is for us. So we do not go on the slope for a twisted knee. But uh, for a head trauma or a massive trauma, uh, we are involved. So when the ski resort is open in February, March, then it's more uh, 60 to 70% of the uh, interventions are on, on slope. But uh, more uh, medical, uh, more technical on the medical aspect. Yeah, just to that point, actually, Pierre, I realized, you know, the injuries involving trees you know whenever we used to respond to a car versus a tree you would you 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 might think that that might only lead to minor injuries but no trees are absolutely <clears throat> resilient there's no give in them at all often and can can be some real significant like you said thoracic trauma spinal trauma uh, traumatic brain injuries from from hitting trees they, they can actually pose a real threat um both on a on an alpine um environment and in and in an urban environment of course i mean trees are on the side of the slope and if you ski down at 60 kilometers per hour and you uh you fall and you slide on the slope you hit the tree on the side of the slope and this kills you at 60k per hour yeah so just pivoting slightly Pierre, and looking at uh, some of the technical rescues, you spoke to, you know, crevasse rescue being a highly technical rescue and, and, and for all the obvious reasons, really, you know, there's, 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 there's you know, you've, you've got to get down safely. You've got to secure, find and secure the casualty, extricate them safely. Um, would you say that crevasse rescues are probably one of the most technical rescues you, ha you have to, you have to do? Yeah. Yes, because, uh, they have massive injury most of the time when they are in the bottom of the crevasses and they, they need you to be on the side of them uh, to relieve the pain, uh, to stabilize the bleeding and uh, to stabilize the bone and the spine. Uh, sometimes uh, put pelvic belt uh, or so on. So, so it's technical, yes. And then it takes a while, even with a very well-trained team, to get somebody out of the crevasse, uh, even with um, electric winch, uh, even with... Uh, 
a lot of very trained uh, staff and uh, we are doing crevasse rescue uh, almost every single day in the spring. So yeah, this is probably one of the most technical then, of course, when you have people stuck in the north face of Grand Juras and you need to winch down in the Grand Juras, it's technically uh, complicated. It's not so complicated as far as you have a good belay stand. Uh, and uh, when alpinists are experienced, they usually have good belay stand. Then we can be winched on their belay and trust them. If we arrive and the first rescuer arrive on a shitty belay, then he has to uh, reinforce the, the belay because before we send more staff uh, to, to help. But uh, this is usually uh, usually uh, fast and uh, and not too complicated when the weather allows. But yeah, crevasses are always a, a big issue. So, Pierre, you, you're an emergency doctor, you're an explorer, you're an alpinist, and indeed, you've been working in the in the French Alps for in as a re, part of the rescue team, as part part of the PGHM for over fifteen years. Uh, could you speak to some of the uh, sort of the debriefs that you guys um, undertake to to maybe share the lessons learned from some of these highly technical rescues? Do 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 you do indeed hot debriefs or do you maybe do the cold debriefs and more sort of clinical case reviews? How do, how do you share the learning from some of these really challenging cases? Good, two good questions. There is usually uh, a very short uh, debriefing after, but uh, uh, we talk about it. It's not an official, it's nothing is very formal. But we do organize once a month a uh, cold debriefing. We call it PIMS, like the cakes because it does involve the pilots, uh, the mechanicians, uh, the rescuers, and, uh, and the doctors. And now we open the PIMS, um, so the cold debriefing, to all the staff of the hospital, all the doctors who are involved in um, extra hospital and, and, uh, and deshocage. So, what um, um, do you call deshocage in English? It's the, the, the hot room in the hospital where you stabilize the patient because before he goes to the intensive care unit. Huh? Oh, the resuscitation and room. The resuscitation room, yeah. So we do, we do organize this cold debriefing once a month, PIMS, and it's, uh, we usually have a thema. So we take one uh, critical case that is very interesting and we do a bibliography about, uh, about uh, all the medical aspects and we want to have the feedback of everybody who was involved from the pilot to the, to the doctor. And this has been formalized uh, since a year now and it's, uh, and it's really, really good, I think. We, we learn a lot from that. So looking at the cross-section of work, you and the incremental rise in work, Pierre, could you speak to what your thoughts are on whether there should be a baseline of competence and whether that should be checked before people are allowed to make some attempts or indeed even climb on some of the tallest mountains in the region? I... I'm very attached to uh, to the free freedom in the mountain, so I don't I don't want that we limit uh, people uh, and that we give a, a, a limit to the people. Some people can be very very gifted and uh, even have a small experience, but have could be very um, conscious of what they are doing, unable to climb a mountain with a very little experience and just go and try. And I really love this um, 
the way that some people do practice uh, uh, the mountain on an amateur way. And uh, as far as the, the only problem is that we oversell some mountains. So we keep saying that Mont Blanc is easy to climb. Mont Blanc is easy to climb because we have fixed rope on the, all the Aiguille du Goutet. If we just remove the fixed rope from the Aiguille du Goutet, it's a totally different story. So you don't need to have a gendarme at the bottom to, uh, to see whether you are experienced or not, whether you go with a guide or not, uh, to fix the limit to access to the mountain. And um, I want that an amateur coming from England or from Norway or from wherever come and climb the mountain as I can climb Ben Nevis without a policeman uh, at the bottom giving me a limit. Uh, but still, the Mont Blanc is overcrowded. So we have to find a way to, to regulate that uh, because uh, it's not possible. And I don't know why everybody wants to climb Mont Blanc when Mont Blanc is busy. You can climb Mont Blanc in June, you can climb Mont Blanc in September. If you're tough, you can climb Mont Blanc in winter uh, or with the ski in the spring. But you can climb almost Mont Blanc anytime if you're tough, well prepared and, uh, and, and good. And um, if you don't climb the Mont Blanc, there is a lot of other sexy mountains to climb. And the problem is that we oversell this mountain because it's uh, it's the highest peak of Europe, uh, well, Western Europe uh, or the Alps. But uh, but this is uh, yeah this this is my my opinion. I know uh, the mayor of Saint Gervais doesn't uh, have the same opinion, but I don't think it's a good direction to take to limit uh, mountains to only professionals. So looking at sort of new frontiers for PGHM Pierre, could you could you maybe speak to what you're looking at at the moment in, in regards to sort of pushing the, pushing the service forward? Is there any interventions, indeed skills or concepts that you're looking into to as, as next steps for the service? Well, there was a few uh, a few new uh, input now in uh, PGHM. Uh, we have a very uh, big concern since this year about psychotrauma uh, of the team, uh, because some of the doctor, some of the the members of the rescue team were uh, very affected by some very dramatic rescue, and we've seen some uh, some gendarmes leaving the gendarmerie, uh, being totally depressed, uh, divorcing, or uh, and. Um, and so we have to be more focused on uh, looking uh, on, uh, after our team on the psychological aspect. This is this is quite new now, and we are trying to organize something more regular where we can actually um, reassess and make sure uh, we have a follow up with some of the of the gendarmes who has been uh, severely um, uh, psychologically injured by by some rescues. So this is this is quite new now, and this is um, a big concern at the moment. Then uh, we have had we have used uh, since two years uh, to rescue people in the in high altitude. We have used the oxygen like uh, a way uh, to go faster in the mountains uh, uh, to rescue people when the helicopter can't fly. This is quite new now, but has uh, we have seen already some. Beautiful effect on, on rescuing uh, people stuck, uh, especially on the Mont Blanc, on the Italian side, on the Brinva, on the Col de la Brinva, on the French side. And um, so this is also quite new. We have a new helicopter now, uh, a new Eurocopter, a little bit more powerful. So it will probably change the way we work now. 
we will probably do less uh, advanced base camp, so like dropping part of the team at the bottom of the steep pillar in high altitude in order to winch uh, somebody in uh, with more uh, power in the engine. We don't need to do that anymore because we have a few more horsepower on the new machine and the pilots already have this new machine very well in the hand. Uh, and I think this new Eurocopter, huh, it's the European Consortium uh, Airbus Helicopter. So they are made next to uh, Marseille, but it's a consortium. Uh, some engine, the engines come from uh, Germany, uh, uh, the electronics, uh, and from different places of Europe. And this, this new machine uh, is doing an awesome job now uh, and very powerful to to get the team fast and high and, and, and safely uh, higher. I think it's the is it the is it the H one three five Airbus is it the uh, the 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 new H one three five is that is that the one you you guys will be using? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three hundred forty eight nautical miles, I think. So it's got a fantastic radius of of reach um, across the and like you said, more more more. Um, more torque, more power, um, faster as well. So it's a really versatile uh, airframe, actually. So that sounds fantastic and perfect also, for changeable conditions. Yeah, yeah. Also very helpful uh, assistance uh, to land uh, when you have very poor visibility, especially when you blow the snow. So uh, very, very, very useful to land the helicopter when you uh, can't see uh, the floor anymore because uh, the snow is blown away everywhere. So, um, yeah, definitely. So Pierre, as we're just coming to land on the conversation, I just thought we'd just spend a couple of minutes just looking at the new WEM course that you are indeed going to be teaching on and indeed instructing on um, in in Chamonix itself. So I believe the course will be run on the 25th of September till the 29th of September. And just looking at the diverse content, so we've got you've got crevasse rescue in there, there's cold injury in there, there's navigation, there's haste, there's hape. There's alpine trauma simulations. There's risk assessments. There's uh, avalanche rescue. Um, there's case studies. There's um, there's technical equipment and familiarization with equipment. Could you could you maybe speak to because I believe it's the first iteration of the course. Could you could you maybe speak to what you'll be what your input will be on the course? So yes, uh, the idea is that uh, the student or whoever uh, will come and join uh, in the mountains, uh, sleeping, uh, uh, probably spending a couple of nights on the glacier in a tent uh, to actually really uh, be in the terrain and to have very practical uh, practical situation to face. Uh, when we're talking about altitude, uh, we have to feel the altitude. When we're talking about cold, we have to feel a little bit the cold. And when we talk about navigation on glaciers, we have to be on the glacier and uh, establish uh, safely a camp on the glacier is something that uh, I want the student to go through and and to have really practical and theoretical uh, uh, course as we will give uh, some lessons uh, before in Chamonix over the jeunesse in the evening after going out in the mountains and then uh, do the practice on the glacier. So yeah, we we this, we open this course to anybody who is uh, interested in uh, in uh, in helping and rescuing in the mountains. Uh, in the cold, in high altitude, and with fit enough uh, to carry a backpack up on the glacier. But uh, nobody needs to have very specific uh, skills. Huh? You don't need to be a skier, you don't need to be a strong climber, just fit enough uh, to walk with a, 
uh, eight to nine kilo uh, uh, backpack uh, and uh, and tough enough to spend the night in a tent on a warm sleeping bag and um, and yeah i'm really looking forward for that course uh, and i'm gonna do this course with um with uh, Sam Owen, who's uh, also a high mountain guide. He lives in Switzerland and he's British and he's also a paramedic. So, so we do a lot of course together as we train the British uh, mountain guides uh, together for for uh, rescue and mountain rescue. So we, we've been working a lot together already and, and we, we both of us love uh, teaching and uh, and um, Sam is Sam Owen is a, is a great uh, has a lot of skills uh, to to teach and to share experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we'll put the links to the sh- to the course in the show notes so people can check that out. But listen, thank you so much for the past uh, 45 minutes, Pierre. It's been fantastic. It always is fantastic talking to you because not only your insights, but just your experience across the broad range of, of, of the environment and, and indeed your wealth of experience over years. So thank you for thank you for that, Pierre. Thank you very much, uh, and uh, hopefully um, we see you sometimes in real. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Thanks for listening to the episode. Please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to. Please also head over to the World Extreme Medicine website where you can find more engaging content on extreme medicine webinars and indeed the collection of courses from our global network, including humanitarian, disaster relief, expedition, space, military, tactical, and performance medicine. Thanks again.